Hello, we're Equinor. As a global energy leader, we're working hard to reduce methane emissions and our carbon footprint. Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Wednesday, December 4th. In today's news, phone records show frequent contact between Rudy Giuliani and the White House. Three foreign leaders are caught on camera laughing at President Trump behind his back. And Kamala Harris dropping out of the race means that the next Democratic debate might feature only white candidates. But first, the big idea. Defenders of the president have taken to describing this impeachment inquiry as a circus. But after the partisan theatrics expected during today's first hearing in the House Judiciary Committee, they might need a stronger word. Some of Capitol Hill's most aggressive and colorful characters in both parties will now have a platform. They're eager to inject new friction and hostility into the second phase of the inquiry. There could be disruptions from Matt Gates, the Republican from Florida, a Fox News favorite who led a revolt against impeachment in mid-October by storming the secure room where depositions were taking place. There could be conspiracy theories from Louis Gohmert, the Republican from Texas who nearly named the intelligence community whistleblower during a recent speech on the House floor. And there could be antics from Democratic Congressman Steve Cohen of Tennessee, who brought a bucket of Kentucky Fried Chicken into a May hearing to highlight the absence of Attorney General Bill Barr, who was scheduled to testify but didn't appear. Add to these another 38 lawmakers, many either Trump loyalists or strongly, outspokenly pro-impeachment, and you have a potentially explosive mix of personalities. Andy Biggs, a Republican from Arizona who's on the panel, told Fox News that it's going to get hot under the collar because, as he put it, the committee has a bunch of brawlers on it. More than two months into this impeachment inquiry, public opinion remains divided. Fresh polling shows that few voters were swayed in either direction by last month's televised hearings. Now, with the Christmas holiday fast approaching and a possible floor vote looming, Democrats face renewed pressure to make their case while avoiding delays or partisan provocations that could alienate more moderate members of the party. The Judiciary Committee, by its nature, makes that task more difficult. Though it has the constitutional responsibility for impeachment, the panel hasn't had the clout of other committees in recent years. It tends to attract instigators who desire a platform for advocacy on hot-button issues like abortion and immigration. Lawmakers and aides from both parties predict a dramatic shift in tone from the earlier set of hearings run by the more sober Intelligence Committee, whose members are handpicked by Nancy Pelosi. This is in part because the panels play different roles. The Intelligence Committee was focused on fact-finding. The Judiciary Committee needs to make the determination of whether Trump's actions constituted high crimes and misdemeanors. Intelligence Committee Chairman Adam Schiff is known for keeping his members on a tight leash, while Judiciary Committee Chairman Jerry Nadler lets his members do what they want and operate freely. Nadler's Republican counterpart is Doug Collins from Georgia, a fast-talking veteran who's come up with some inventive talking points to defend Trump and has generally been much more effective than Devin Nunes, his Republican counterpart on the Intelligence Committee. My colleagues Elise Vibeck, Mike DeBonis, and Rachel Bade, who cover the House, say that Republicans believe these differences will offer them a chance to derail the hearings over the next few weeks. They've planned several procedural roadblocks starting today to throw off Nadler and his members. 
and Republicans have found success with this approach before. The reason Schiff took point over the last few months is because Trump's allies successfully disrupted a September hearing with former Trump campaign manager Corey Lewandowski to such a degree that Pelosi felt she had no choice but to sideline Nadler. Now, this is squarely in Nadler's jurisdiction, and Pelosi doesn't have a choice. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar this hump day. Number one, subpoenaed phone records included in a 300-page report from the House Intelligence Committee that was released last night show extensive contact between Rudy Giuliani and the White House during key moments in the Ukraine saga. The call logs provide powerful circumstantial evidence that Giuliani was coordinating closely with the White House on his Ukraine gambit, something Giuliani has previously acknowledged. The phone records include calls with a number designated only as minus one, often close in time to calls between Giuliani and the White House switchboard. The clear implication of this is that minus one might be a private cell phone number belonging to Trump. The records also show several calls and text messages in early August between Giuliani and phone numbers associated with the White House and the Office of Management and Budget, which was freezing the Ukraine aid. At that time, U.S. diplomats were trying to arrange an Oval Office meeting between Trump and his counterpart, Volodymyr Zelensky. Giuliani's calls and texts include a 13-minute call on August 8th with an OMB official and minus one. The records also show contact between Giuliani's indicted associate, Lev Parnas, and one of Trump's key defenders in Congress, Nunes, on the Intelligence Committee. Nunes, appearing last night on Fox News, told Sean Hannity that it's possible he spoke with Parnas, although he claims he doesn't recall doing so. Schiff says they're continuing to investigate this and other leads. Number two, as dignitaries and world leaders milled around Buckingham Palace last night at a reception for the NATO summit, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, British Prime Minister Boris Johnson, and French President Emmanuel Macron were caught on camera chatting with each other. The three foreign leaders were seen mocking Trump for his 45-minute impromptu press conference. During that press conference, the president lashed out at Democrats, calling them unpatriotic, and suggested that Schiff should be jailed because he's such a sick puppy. Johnson asked if that's why everyone was late getting over to the palace. Trudeau said it was. Then Macron imitated Trump's angry gesticulation. The others all laughed. Trudeau said he could see Trump's team was caught off guard. He said he saw their jaws drop to the floor. This commiserating came after Trump openly jousted with Macron and also criticized Trudeau for not spending enough on defense. Trump also previewed a likely confrontation with German Chancellor Angela Merkel. To watch Trump perform alongside other world leaders was to witness his use of disequilibrium as a political strategy deployed throughout his presidency to keep everyone slightly off kilter at home and abroad. Number three, Kamala Harris dropped out of the 2020 presidential race yesterday. The California senator had invited reporters to spend Thanksgiving with her and her family in Iowa just a few days ago so she could show off her turkey preparation skills. What she didn't show at the time was that she was also having intensive conversations with her husband, her sister Maya Harris, and Maya's family as the tight-knit group grappled with whether there was any path forward for her campaign. Those talks extended into late Monday night as Kamala Harris stayed up until 2 a.m. trying to find a way to push on. But at one o'clock yesterday afternoon, she called her staffers and told them it was over. This marked a long, painful fall from her January kickoff 
when Harris came on stage to electrify a crowd of more than 22,000 in Oakland. In a note to supporters, Harris said her campaign's financial struggles were the driving force behind her departure. Ironically, her dropping out came literally just hours after a super PAC launched to support Harris's candidacies. Some donors spent yesterday afternoon frantically trying to retrieve hundreds of thousands of dollars they had just wired into the super PAC's bank account. Harris remains a potentially appealing running mate for the eventual Democratic nominee. And unlike the senators still in the race, she'll be free to spend January focused on Trump's expected Senate impeachment trial. Harris's exit indicates that a once historically diverse Democratic field may winnow down to only white candidates. The six people who have qualified so far to appear in this month's Democratic debate are all white. The party didn't want to have two dozen candidates crowding the debate stage with just two months to go until Iowa. But the DNC's strict criteria has had the unintended effect of making it easier for an extremely rich white man with no experience in elected office, Tom Steyer, to gin up the contributions and poll numbers he needs to get a spot on stage, while more experienced officials with more limited resources like Cory Booker and Julian Castro appear to be coming up short. And that's The Daily 202 for Wednesday, December 4th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Hellman. I'll talk to you tomorrow. If you want to get more news about the impeachment inquiry, you can now subscribe to a new podcast feed from The Washington Post. All of our audio updates on the inquiry are in one place, including the latest from The Daily 202's Big Idea, Can He Do That?, and Post Reports. You can subscribe at WashingtonPost.com slash podcasts.